deliver his chosen king. He'll intervene for him from the holy heavenly temple. He'll display his mighty acts to deliver. Some trust in chariots. Others trust in the horses. But we depend on the name of the Lord our God. They will fall down. Those who attack Israel will fall down. But we, the people of God, we will stand firm. Let the Lord deliver his king. We ask you, Lord, answer us as we call out to you for help. Amen.
Let's set the stage with this, Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go out from your country, your relatives, your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great so that you will exemplify divine blessing. I will bless those who bless you, but the one who treats you lightly, I will curse. And all the families of the earth will bless one another by your name. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Daniel chapter 12. At that time, Michael, the great prince who watches over your people, will arise. And there will be a time of distress unlike any other from the nation's beginning up to that time. But at that time, your own people, all those whose names are found written in the book, will escape. Revelation 12. She gave birth to a man-child who's about to rule and shepherd every nation with an iron scepter. And her son was caught up to God and to his throne. And a terrible war broke out in the heavens. Michael and his archangels fought against the great dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but the dragon did not have the power to win. And they could not retain their place in the heavens. So the great dragon was thrown down once and for all. He was the serpent, the ancient snake called the devil, and Satan who deceives the whole earth. Cast down into the earth, and his angels along with him. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the ruling authority of his Christ have now come because the accusers of our brothers and sisters, the one who accuses them day and night before our God has been thrown down, but they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they didn't love their lives so much as they were even afraid to die. Therefore, you heavens rejoice, and all who reside in them. But woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has come down to you, and he's filled with terrible anger. For he knows that he has little time. And now when the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the man-child. But the woman was given two wings of a giant eagle so that she could fly out of the wilderness to the place God's prepared for her. Where she'll be taken care of away from the presence of the serpent for a time. And a time and a half of a time. Then the serpent sprouted out water like a river out of his mouth after the woman in an attempt to sweep her away by the flood. But the earth came to her rescue. And the ground opened up and swallowed the river that the dragon had spewed out from his mouth. So much so that the dragon became a raised at the woman. And he went away to the rest of her offspring, those who keep the God's commandments 
and hold to the testimony about Jesus. And the dragon stood on the seashore.
you fall like fire upon us now and not our wills but yours be done Would you fall like rain 
wash me away and open up the floodgates let the river run wild fall we wait on you We need you, we need you, and fall, we wait on you, and fall, we need Would you walk among us? Show us yourself. And I bow down to you. You and no one else. And as it is in heaven. doors of heaven we're here to serve for we wait on you you fall like fire I don't want to go anywhere unless you're going to bow my will to yours every time oh give me the strength that you need and would you fall like rain shadows into reality heaven here on earth would you
Stephen began to sing that. I just, I'd already been prompted by the Holy Spirit to open up to Amos 9:11, which is many of you know is the restoration of the fallen booth of David. But right before that, before this restoration, a restoration which is upon us for sure. I look down at Amos 9:9. It says. Look, I'm giving a command. I'm going to shake the family of Israel together with all the nations. It will resemble a sieve being shaken when not even a pebble falls to the ground. All the sinners among my people will die by the sword. And the one who says, disaster will not come near. It will not confront us. When you read in the context of Amos 9, it says, I saw the sovereign one. Amos taken up into the heavens, standing by the altar, and he said, Strike the tops of the support pillars and let the threshold shake. Knock them down on the heads of all the people. And I will kill the survivors with the sword. And no one will be able to run away, and no one's going to be able to escape. Even if they could dig down to the netherworld, my hand would pull them up from there. And if they could climb up to heaven, I would drag them down from there. And even if they were to hide on the top of Mount Carmel, I would hunt them down and take them from there. And even if they tried to hide from me at the bottom of the sea, and from there I would command, the sea serpent to bite them. And when their enemies drive them into captivity, and from there, I will command the sword to kill them, and I will not let them out of my sight. They will experience disaster and not prosperity. The sovereign Lord who commands the armies will do this. He touches the earth and it dissolves, and all who lives on it will mourn. The whole earth rises like the river Nile, and then it grows calm like the Nile in Egypt. He builds the upper room of his palace in heaven and sets his foundation supports on the earth. He summons the waters of the sea and he pours it out on the earth's surface. The Lord is his name. 
The Lord says, certainly I brought Israel up from the land of Egypt. But I also brought up the Philistines from Kator and the Armenians from Kir. Look, the sovereign Lord is watching the sinful nation. And I will destroy it from the face of the earth. But I will not completely destroy the family of Jacob, says the Lord. For now, look, I, the Lord, I'm given a command to shake the family of Israel. And I'm going to shake the family of Israel, he says, with all the nations. The shaking has begun. It's the work of the sovereign one. It's by his decree and it's by his sovereign act of what we see happening now. And he's been shaking us. Because what can be shaken will be shaken. I'm sure of this from the Lord. He's been shaking our families. Just like he's shaking Israel. Why? Why? Eyes on the Lord. Like never before in your life. Like never before. Everything. Everything, everything to the attention of our King, everything in our life, everything to the Sovereign One, jealous, jealous, that's who He is. All the lovers, all the idols, all the fornication, all the adultery, all the ways of the heart and the human heart going away from him. He will have a captive people in this hour to his son. The father has decreed it all throughout the land. Eyes on the Lord, eyes on our king, eyes on the Lord. Eyes to the Lord. If you're seeking restitution, look unto the one. Look unto the only one. If you're seeking restoration, look to the one. Look to the sovereign one. Look to the Lord our King.
our defense and the Holy One of Israel, our King. Compare to you. 
taken from the fire from the great flood
peace and our gold. Oh, and the Lord is our defense, our prize and our gold. And he shall drink by the brook in the way. And there he shall lift up his head. Psalms 110, 7. Amen. I'm going to read to you something that I wrote as a thesis statement. Let me see. Wrote it this March, the 19th, uh, 2023. It's a statement by the command of our Lord, the man child, star child, who is of the Melchizedek order, will partner with Michael the archangel to cast Satan and his minions out of the second heaven to reinstate the dominion thrones or nations by the accord of the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, just to give a little readout on this, out of three sections, uh, Genesis uh, 12, Daniel 12, and Revelation 12. If you were here at the very beginning of worship. You've heard these already, but I want to mention these again to lay a foundation for uh, today uh, and um, what we'll be looking at. So the Lord had said to Abraham, go out from your country, your relatives, uh, your father's household to the land that I will show you. And then I will make unto you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will, you will exemplify divine blessing. I will bless those who bless you, uh, but the one who treats you lightly I must curse, and all the families of the earth will bless one another by your name. Uh, much can be said about Abraham and, and Sarah, but... In just, in short, 
Abraham, I believe like many of you, have made a decision uh, to go out in the following of the Lord as, as a disciple, as one that follows him with all of your heart, uh, leaving behind the, even the comfortable, relatable things that, um, that in a lot of ways are genuinely okay, but that God had called you as a people to come out from among those things and come and have a singular heart and mind to him. Uh, many of you, I, I believe in this room, and I, I know many of you that listen on, the, uh, on YouTube understand this about, again, many of you even having to depart from uh, your relatives or even uh, your household. Um, some of you have actually had to sell lands and uh, leave and, and come to a location that God would appoint uh, for you to come with the purpose knowing that the Lord had called you as his own uh, sons and daughters saying this, if you come and follow me and on this journey that I've got you on, that I will bless you. And unlike Nimrod, who was, you know, there in Genesis 11, making his own name great, I will make, I will give you a great name. I, you know, I, the Lord would declare this to you and um, that if you come and you follow me, I'm going to take care of you. I'm, I'm going to look after you. And I'm going to... I'm going to give you a place in my kingdom. I'm going to give you greatness. This was a part of the very call of God on your life. And while many of us that believing that he is, right, and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And, it's, and I, I want to say this as we just jump out today and we get into this in the text because where we're headed, that Two of the things that I think that are really, really under attack that the enemy wants to contest is the very, the very, the very fact that God exists. And I mean this about in this way, that, that the Lord exists in the daily affairs, not just the affairs of this congregational affair that's happening this morning, but in your daily affairs of your human life that the Lord is an omnipresent God that he is involved directly in your life. There's this idea that our culture has tried to really purport with, you know, nihilism and atheism and social Darwinism and these different things. They've been attacking the very fabric of our culture, trying to get people to ascribe to something. And a lot of people a long time ago got into this, the God is dead movement, and really just jettisoned from an actual uncreated God that wants to encounter our hearts on a daily basis and act as though that he is not even a part of life in a general or specific way. And that that is one of the, the contesting of our enemy and the working of our enemy through distractions. If, if he can't get you into various kind of sins, projected sins, he will get you distracted to get you out of a mindset that the very God, the uncreated God, wants to interact with you every single day of your life. He's after building the most superficial, nonsensical, even practical, organizational things. He's probably doing more of that than he is trying to get people into venial sin. If he could keep a man or woman distracted from a devoted life of turning to the Lord, I mean, every day, Believing that he is so much so that, wait a minute, wait a minute, I've got bup, 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 bup to do. 
Stop what you're doing and believe that he is. Believe that he exists so much so that the things of this world, they're just, again, like it says, growing strangely dim in the song by the his glory and grace, that we are connected, transactionally connected to a God who is waiting, who will not impose his will on us, but wants to have dynamic, individual, personal relation uh, with us and is ready at the moment's notice to be there. That he is. This is, this is the thing that he is. And then Abram, you know, setting the stage here that he's not just that he is, but hey, I want to reward you. You have faith when you believe those two things. You've got to, you've got to. There's a full on attack against that too. That the father would not want to, uh, that doesn't delight in his children. I mean, we've, we've had, some of, some of you have been, you've grown up in situations that have been so hostile to that, of a rewarding father. You've suffered terribly at the hands, some of you at the hands of, of father figures, even mother figures that have hurt that sense of delight and wounded it at such a capacity that we form our own theological basis of understanding around this whole idea. Really, it's a lot of it, a wilderness mindset that the father in his delight and out of his delight seeks to love his children and loves us and then wants to magnify that love onto the human heart and extol his life through us. And that you and I can step out in like abandonment in a way and say, man, he loves me. And it just, it, what it does is it creates a generosity of life. It creates a generosity of heart that's just bubbling over with something else to bless with, something, someone else to give to, someone else to, uh, because you have so much, you couldn't help but give more because he's been so good to you. It's interesting um, how this works, though, because I've, I've learned this. If you sit there and you look at and run the math and you run the, you run the measuring and you try to decide, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to make it? If you, if you do that, everything stops. And as the very nature of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is to grasp. And the very nature of life is to give. And you will never outgive God. You'll never outdo him. He'll just keep on unloading more, unloading more onto you. More of himself, more of his very character. And that he loves and delights in us as his children. He's such a good father. And so when he tells Abram, Genesis 12, look, man, I'm going to offer you a better deal than those Babylonians are offering you with their bling bling stuff. I'm going to hook you up beyond whatever that culture was producing, which was really phenomenal in that day. It was. You come and follow me. Come, come with me. I'm wanting to do something. I'm going to, I'm giving you a promise I'm giving you a promise. I'll be with you. I'll set greatness on you. I'll give you a name. A name that has credibility. A name that has worth when it's spoken. A name that's going to go down in the annals of history. And so we must have this presupposition because 
before we go into what we're going in today, because this is the foundation upon which all of our forward advancement will take place. It's the greatness of the, fa- the Father's love towards us. You are my beloved children, in whom I'm well pleased. <laughs> Think of a father delighting over you, dancing over you, rejoicing over you. Think of him like that. And think of him also as a disciplinarian so that he can take away anything that would hinder that relationship. Because a good daddy, that's what he does. He's seeking for connection. And if something's getting in between it, let's get rid of it so me and you can connect up because I want to be close to you. I want you to know the depths of my love towards you. So let's get rid of anything that's an impediment to that. Let's get it out of your life and I'll help you with it. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to look after you. And that's where the heat's coming from is mankind has decided to move away from the fact that he is and move away from the fact that this good father that we have is a rewarder. And this is our promise. And this is our hope. Our hope that everything has been purchased at Calvary, that Jesus Christ has paid for everything. Done. Done deal. Done deal, and I'm going to tell you, it makes our enemy furious. He's a jealous little tube man with broken teeth. He's envious. He's mad. He's angry. He's angry, more of this, that people are believing in a God they cannot see and are being transfigured by him because of the love and the delight that he has over them and angry because there is a corporate people of the Lord right now globally that are rising and they're believing they're believing when other things are telling them that's objecting to that message and they're saying no no I still believe no I still trust in the face of adversity in the face of trial in the face of failure in the face of of, of whatever seems to stack against me, my heart knows that he's real. And my life bears witness to uh, him that he's become everything to me, that he's precious to me. I can't help but cry. I mean, tear up this morning. I was thinking the preciousness of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord, the faithfulness of the Lord, the life of the Lord. All men and what he's does for us and how he's transformed us. Oh my gosh. Oh man, he's good. Oh my God, oh, you're good, Lord. Sorry, I didn't mean to say gosh. Oh, man. I mean, wasted in sin, don't deserve him, been doing our own thing, and then he comes and rescues us and takes us up and sets us free. Oh, my goodness, grace alive. 
and we don't deserve, I don't deserve anything of his kindness to me. His love that he pours out on us. And man, I'm just like, praise the Lord. I mean, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord on my soul, all that's within me. I will give you praise. Set as many obstacles up as you want. I'm going to say yes to you again and again and again and again. Yes to you again and again and again and again. Oh, man, we're going after the Lord. He's, He's coming after us. Oh. you gave us our heart Uh, you put the breath in our mouth you're the one you're the one Lord you're the famous one you're the honor, you're the glory, you're the dynamic. You're our fascination, Father. You're tried and true. Man, when things get tough, you, you just get up again and again and again. You got courage, Lord. Courage we want to emulate, courage we want. Everything you do is for love, and you maintain your integrity in all things. You're the best. Far be it from any of us to neglect the praise of the sovereign one. That's the overcoming. That's it. This is the high praises of the sons and daughters of God in the middle of a taking heat from every side. Mm, uh uh-uh. Don't give me a sour lip. (laughs) This guy, this God, he's a real dude now. (laughs) A little bit later in Genesis, uh, there's a progression. And um, it's funny today because I was just like, Lord, I got all this prophetic material. Uh, I want to lay out all these multinational things. I've got all this material. I, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I've got things from the Lord for, for us to look at the bigger picture. But I, I tell you, you know, without heart, without heart, I mean, what are we? Without a heart burning hot, without a heart burning hot, I mean, all the prophetic material and the global nation perspective and everything that's going on, but yes, but what? But what? Heart. A heart of flame, a heart that can't be quenched, a heart that is the life of God's burning so hot inside of it. That heart. Let's cultivate that heart. Or he's already cultivating it in us. Let's just give way to him. Let it burn. All the waters, all the waters like it is in the days of Noah and as it is in the days of Lot, right? So shall it be in the day the Son of Man returns. Hearts ablaze and a great deluge. (laughs) You can see that different ways, can't you? 
If a man would give all the substance of his house up for love, it might seem contemptible. But to the Lord, I don't think so. If a man would give up everything that he has for love, for a, a heart that burns hot for God, yeah. Well, none of us can do it for ourselves. It's going to take God to love the Lord like he loves himself. <laughs> Thank God for grace. I can't love him like he deserves to be loved, but he can love himself through me like he deserves to be loved. <laughs> and that takes all the pretension off and all the self-righteous nonsense off and just said, God, love yourself through me. Genesis uh, 14, a little bit later on, a number of kings come out attacking I'm not going to go through all the passages here because I want to center up, I believe. Verse, let's, let's go here. I mean, chapter 14, verse 10. Now in the valley of Siddim was full of tar pits. Uh, when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, they fell into them. But some survivors fled into the hills. The four victorious kings took all the possessions and all the food of Sodom and Gomorrah and wept. And they also took um, Abram's nephew, uh, Lot, and his possessions when they left for Lot, uh, who was leaving, or excuse me, living in Sodom. A, a fugitive came and told Abram the Hebrew. Oh man, it, if you'd ever get the Holy Spirit to write your name and then call you a Hebrew, that would be really nice. And some uh, people sometimes, they see the front of our car tags, you an Israelite? Or is, you from Israel? I said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, don't I look like one? <laughs> if you could be titled a Hebrew, if you could be just have that put on the side, you know, that's... That's Tom McManus right there, a Hebrew. That's the one, because I'm sure you know what Hebrew means, do you know? That's the one who knows how to cross over. That's the one who knows how to break barriers in the spirit. That's a Hebrew. That's the one when push comes to shove. When all the chips are down and the waters come up and you can't get, that's the one, that, that's the one, that's a Hebrew right there. That's the one that just kind of smiles at adversity in the day to come and laughs and scoffs at things that seem to be problems to others. Looks at it in a way of fearlessness and says, let's go and do it for the Lord <laughs> and for his name. That's a Hebrew. That's a true Israelite, circumcised, double circumcised in heart. Completely given over to him. I've he came and talked to Abram, the Hebrew. Now Abram was living by these oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Eshkel and Aner, and all these were allied by treaty with Abram. Abram heard that his nephew had been taken captive. He mobilized 318 trained men who had been born in his household. And he pursued the invaders as far as Dan. I, uh, 
I had a number of encounters happen this week. I've been really sort of surprised by them. I don't know if they're here, but we had uh, Michael Collins and Sean Gerlock and um, Nathaniel, uh, who was with us last week, came over and had dinner with us last, night, uh, last Sunday night after service. And so we're sitting there, and Sean looks over at me, and he says, you know, Carol, I think it's time for the 318. And I said, yeah. He said, you remember that? And I said, yeah, I remember. We were, you know, he said, we were going to Charlotte, and uh, on the back of this truck tag or something, it said 318. I said, yeah, yeah. Sean, I remember that. And so him and I had had that talk, and I said, yeah, I said the 318. Oh, the 318. And so I uh, was moving on. I end up getting over to uh, Goodwill one evening. Says, we're unloading some storage stuff, and we needed to get rid of some things. And so go over to Goodwill, and I'm pulling in there, and there's a, the guy pulled in front of me and he's in his van, and he looks at our vehicle, and he's like, oh, I know that vehicle. That's a, LX5, that's a Lexus LX570. Oh, Carol, or he doesn't know my name. He's like, oh, man, that's a vehicle right there. And I said, yeah, yeah, it's one of the best. And I said, the Lord told me to buy it. He said, I prayed, and he said, that's the one you should get. And uh, ended up finding out it's the most reliable vehicle that's 100% reliability rating. And I was like, you know, a number of years ago, I found out that, I was like, Lord, you're interested in Lexus. I thought that was like a pretentious vehicle. You couldn't have one of those. He's like, and he said, no, just check the ratings. I found out the thing was 100% reliable. And he said, you know, I'm into reliability. <laughs> and we had had another one. We beat that thing to death. And I mean, and we ended up coming out, um, what I paid for it, I got half of it back after putting over 300,000 miles on it. So the Lord's into making good investments too. <laughs> And um, so I was sitting, standing there, and, um, and, I said, and I said, yeah, the Lord, he led me this. I, I prayed for it. And um, he sees a Hebrew on the uh, letters on the front, which says order Melchizedek. He said, man, you love the Lord. I was like, oh, man, I love the Lord. He said, man, I love the Lord. You love the Lord? I love the Lord, too. Bring it. <laughs> so let's do a chest bump or something. His name's Jonathan. And Jonathan is over at Biltmore Baptist raising up something he calls David's men. They have like a whole thing that they're doing there called David's men. And uh, so he, he has seven or eight guys. And then they have like a hundred or something over at Biltmore they're doing called David's men. And I said, oh, man, I was like, that is crazy. I mean, I don't know what Jonathan was thinking, but he had our whole family over by Friday night for dinner. <laughs> You know, I was like, that takes, a, that takes guts to just have man, his wife, and, well, we had, I don't know how many kids we had, but he's like, we'll have you guys over for dinner. He's really wonderful people live over here in Biltmore Park. But it, but it just got me thinking. And then um, Stephen and I were having our debrief uh, this week, and, um, and Stephen's like, you remember those, uh, those books, Carol? And you, you gave me one years ago, and I said, yeah, I don't remember the name of it. So I went and looked it up. And um, it's a series, uh, and some of you may be interested in this. It's called, um, let me see if I can find it here. Anyways, uh, it's a series by Cliff Graham called Day of War, Covenant of War, and uh, Song of War. It has some of the best narration, too. I mean, it's really good narration for Audible. A lot of those books, I don't like them because the narrator is so predictable in his voice inflection. It does this. I'm just like, oh, I can't listen to this guy. The narrator has no heart. 
you don't ever, you always know where his next inflection is going to ping off at. Anyways, and I started thinking about this number, uh, 318, and I, I felt like the Lord started to speak to me about it, that inside the number, you'll find something there. And uh, Michael Collins, he pointed out to me, well, if you put the number together, you get the number 12. He had said that Sunday night, and I said, that's interesting. Uh, if you add the digits together, 8, 3, and 1, you get 12. And I thought, you know what? Nothing in Scripture is without purpose or lacks reasoning from the Lord. Later on, I mean, if you'll, you'll read about in math, the 153 fish that uh, will be caught when they throw the net over the other side, that's like a mathematical, a really cool math number. And uh, it's phenomenal. But it, we'll get back to 318. And so today I was said to the Lord, I said, or the Lord said to me, he said, I'd like to talk to you about this. Because, and I'll try to, I'll do my best to set this up. Help me, Lord. Because just like in Genesis 12, this call of the Lord comes, and in Genesis 14 later, this raising up, this raising up of these guys in Abram's house, there's also this picture in, in our end time here, and it was happening right there at the first advent, but also coming in the second advent uh, with, with the return of the Lord, that the Lord is, has, is, call, is called a people. Yes, 318. Oh, no, no way. Are you trying to tell me it's time to go, Tom? No, I'm just playing. No, it's 318 right now? Oh, Wow. That's cool. It's happening <laughs> in real time. Objective proof of an unseen reality. And so, so in this end time, the end time that's, that's is that upon us is that the Lord has called forth a people just like he did Abram. He, he's arranged a people that are populated all over the earth, a remnant family that he called and has elected that He's uh, made a Hebrew, a, a people that are Hebrews, uh, the true Israelite. Now, I want to say, it's just a little adage. I'm not a replacement guy on Israel. I just want to say that, but I'm not going to go into the theology of that. I just need to say that. But the true Israelite people, the true Israelite company has been in process with the Lord. That's tasted of Passover has tasted of Pentecost and is now beginning a taste of tabernacles. This union of God and man, Christ in you, the hope of glory, this, this internal work of the Lord that's happening in us. Refashioning us, uh, working the soul and transforming us in his divine nature uh, uh, to raise up a people. A people I believe that you can see here with Abram, a, a 318 people. A people in the context of an enemy attacking. This 318 comes in the context of these uh, multifaceted kings that are attacking a family member, Lot. Now, now remember now, Lot's done Abram dirty. Abram's like the progenitor. I mean, he's, he's the guy that's supposed to receive the blessing of the land. It's been promised to him, and Lot has set his eyes towards the east, it says. 
it said he had set his eyes towards Sodom, that which he could see. It says this in Genesis 13. He had got his eyes focused on the things of this world, the, what, what glimmer, glimmers and is gold and, uh, and, and put his eyes in an eastern way. Now, you know, I want to say that because it's really important because of how the east, very important in scripture because in the east, the east is the very place that Adam and Eve will be exiled to. I'm not saying that you need to read Steinbeck, but I mean, he wrote a book, East of what? Eden. Out on the eastern side, this is where mankind, there's a war going on with man uh, that is set east because God's intention is to restore humanity back to full promise inheritance with the very character and the nature of himself. Just like he told Abram, he's, he's listen, now I'm going to take you and I'm going to restore you. But like Lot, so much of mankind has set their eyes towards the east. And I don't just mean orientally. Or set your eyes towards, well, and this has happened, a lot of uh, the Eastern religions and things like that. But there's been a, a marked like, look towards the East. And this, this had happened with Lot, and Lot had seen the, the beauty of, of Sodom and, and set his eyes on it. And I, and I love it in Genesis 13 because Abram defers. And Abram doesn't grasp. He doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, you know, the Lord had made a promise to me, and that's my promise, and um. Abram doesn't show envy. Abram doesn't show jealousy. Abram waits on the Lord in it. Now, I love this. It says, Abram looked up into the heavens. Now, Abram had already been getting accustomed to looking up instead of looking out. He had been setting his eyes, and this is what we were saying in worship today, and set his eyes on the things that come uh, from God. Genesis 12, even before that, he's a stargazer. And his promise came out of the heavens. And so when the, the next phase is coming, Genesis 13, and it's time to begin to uh, take the inheritance and the blessing of the Lord, here's this lot figure. And this lot figure is like, I want that. And he says, you know what? Hey, whatever. Because I've got my eyes fixed on one place. I'm, I'm looking towards the one. And I love this. It says that he looked up into the heavens. And the Lord says this to him. He says, when he looks up, he says, to the north, the south, the east, and the west, all this land will be yours. Not just holding on to this one little thing. And I hope that you're hearing the preaching. <laughs> because this is the propensity, this is the way that the enemy uh, wants to work as a very uh, thing he wants us to get myopic or, or focused on this one thing that we want when the Lord's trying to give us the whole thing. And it gets you locked up in some kind of, I gotta have that, or I feel like I gotta grasp for it, or, and it's the very thing you, that we need to let go of, hands off. You've, you feel in your nature that, but, but wait a minute, Carol, it's my promise. The Lord made a, a thing to me, and it's like somebody's gonna come and snatch it all out of my hands. And Abraham Abram, later on, Abraham is showing us a, a quick grasping for that thing. Hands off. If somebody steals from you, give them something else. I mean, uh, you know, the Sermon on the Mount. 
Somebody defrauds you, bless them. I mean, someone does this to you, does this one thing wrong to you, um, forgive them. Someone says, go one mile with him, go two miles with him. Someone takes your cloak, give them your tunic too. Do you understand? He said, don't go grasp for the very thing that you think is the prize. Pull back, hands off, and bless. This is very nature of God that is working in Abram's life. And Abram's going to become a practitioner of this kind of mindset of stopping grasping for things like Lot, because you see what's going to happen a lot down the road. Lot's family's going to get enmeshed into this thing, adultery, fornication, idolatry. Lot's going to end up losing his whole family. Moabites are going to come from an incestuous relationship. It's, it's just absolute travesty to the human family, to their family. And before all that's taking place, here we see Abram again in Genesis 14. These, multi, these multilateral kings uh, attacking uh, Sodom come to take all their women and children, all their possessions off. And Abram's like, the Hebrew, you're messing with my, one, my nephew. Hey, Abram, isn't that your nephew? That, like, we were supposed to have all our cattle down there getting that grass and water, and you're going to go help that guy? Yeah, that's my family. And I take care of my family. I look after my, I look after my kin. I look after the ones that are mine. Yeah, but he, he, he did you wrong. I don't care. I've already learned. I've already learned that everything, everything in the possession of this land is mine. He's, he's already promised me this. I don't need to grasp for anything. It's already been given. Well, Abram, yeah, but your problem, you don't even have a kid, man. How are you supposed to set up a, where's your progeny? I mean, didn't, yeah. Well, I'm going to demonstrate that I believe him. And so, and so he, in the midst of this conflict that's brewing there right in, in that area, enemies are attacking. And Abram's employing a, a different methodology. And, I, you know, I want to kind of lay out the methodology of this 318. Because the Lord's like, I want you to show this, you know, today. And I was like, okay, I, you know, I'll do my best. And then if you take notes, this would be the time to pencil some or pin some things down. Or you can watch this later, listen to it uh, when we get it on SoundCloud, uh, the 318. Now, um, some of you, you've been involved in a Star Child Challenge. And you'll know it's kind of set up this way. And then if you're not, that's fine. And because what, I, what I'd like to do is I'd just like to go over these... Uh, the three major offices of Christ and then and introduce the 318 into the three offices and also uh, introduce uh, the words to Timothy about being a good, a good soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And so let's do this. Like if you take notes, let's just uh, put 318, you know, and then you could go ahead and put right under it SAF. So you could like have 318 and then SAF. So that'll stand for soldier, athlete, farmer. Under that, you could put profit. Uh, under your soldier three category, you could put under your, excuse me, one athlete, you could put priest, judge, or PJ. In the Air Force, they're called, that's called a para-jumper, but that's not what I'm talking about. We have special ops guys that they jump out of, Planes are rescued down pilots. Those guys are pretty awesome. And then 
and then K for king or Q for queen, prophet, priest, judge, king, or soldier, athlete, farmer, or 318. And so, so here, here we go. And again, in the challenge that has been written for you to, if you want to be challenged in it, it's, it's there. And then, well, these challenges will run again. But they're, they're written in such a way to follow this progression of flow. Uh, the purpose being to produce the words, I want to produce a star child company. I want to produce a, a 318. A 318 that uh, in the midst of a hostile and perverse generation that can operate with me in a way that in the protocol that the Lord set on the human soul and that you can be processed through. So three, for what? Three for the triune Godhead. When we started Collider, I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, what do I do? I, uh, you know, I, I did non-church plans. And uh, I'm pretty much like, can't do anything anymore. He said, exactly. <laughs> That's what I've been trying to get you to. <laughs> That's been the whole purpose behind all the other uh, church plans. I, I wanted to bring you to the end of yourself. Your only qualification is your disqualification. That's the only reason why I'm going to even give you the opportunity to give any leadership to anybody is because you don't know what you're doing anymore and you finally know that. <laughs> I said, but what do I, what do I do? He says, go up there and worship me like you worship me in your private life. I said, you mean like some of the closet crazy experiences where hair's flying and that's, you know, he said, oh yeah, just, just be gone in front of them. Lose yourself. <laughs> and I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to do that. It makes me a little uptight, but at first I'm about lost my, I forget everybody's here now almost, uh, but I just, whatever. Let's get on in. Because you can't get into the prophetic without really um, a loss of your self-consciousness. If you're consciously aware of yourself or someone else around you, I'm going to suggest uh, if you're in that way and you're trying to pray that you may be in a place of what Hebrews 10 calls sin consciousness. An over, an over consciousness of oneself is in a reflection of someone else without being authentic or, or integrous is, is related to a sin consciousness. When I'm worried what the next person thinks or what they're doing or if I'm overly concerned about it, I've, I'll, I'll just say this for me, and you, I'm, I don't have to put this on you, but I can't enter in. For years, when the, you know, someone would come up and say something, I'm, oh my, and then someone else would say something right before one of these events, you know, da da da, and da da da, and I was like, oh, you know, oh, oh, and, I, and I was, oh, I gotta plow in, I gotta find the Lord, and you know, he's like, you'll get better at this, you'll get better at being able to just, boom, I'm in you, you're in me, we're just hanging out here. And I, like, God's right out there, no, the Lord's right, you know. Holy Spirit's in you, looking out of you. The Spirit of God's looking out of you. The eyes are bright and shining. You're the glory of God shining on you and through you. Trying to get to the Lord. And yes, the Lord and Father are seated on the throne, understood, but he's given us the Spirit. It dwells in us. So there's this connection with the Spirit. And so 
I wonder what they're going to think. You know, so the Lord would say, you know, he'd tell you, uh, I saw Tom run around with a flag this morning. I'm, you know, uh, sometimes he tells us to do the oddest things. I just want to tell you, please do if you're here. If the Lord tells you to do something, go for it. You know, don't let me stop you. I'm not going to. I would rather you just like, I'd rather fall, a person fall flat on their face and really blow it and say, I, I'm pretty sure the Lord told me to do that. Do that. Do it. <laughs> do or do not, there is no try. <laughs> it's better to love and risk and go for it than to be like, oh my gosh, you know. I love Tom McManus's dancing now. Sometimes I see it and it's like, I'm like, man, that guy's got something going on. Please don't stop if the word, if you're in, you're in. You know what I mean? Um, because that's where, in that place where the consciousness of myself and the consciousness of others comes off, there's the communion. It's just, oh man, he's like, you're like, what, 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 what? You know, who knew, who knew? I didn't know that... You know, we, we used to do this. I've said this before. Do not do this. Do not try this at home. But we used to knock each other out unconscious on purpose when we were kids. There's a way to do that, which I will not demonstrate, nor will tell you how to do it. I'd knock myself unconscious, but I don't have to anymore. But when you wake up from it for like 30 seconds, you forget why you were there until your nose starts hurting because your buddy didn't catch you and let you slap the ground. And that hurts really bad, by the way. Watch him fall. Shram. <laughs> and he'd get back up. Oh, I'm hurting. But anyways, we did that. This one guy, and he stayed out for 15 minutes and became Wolverine. It's scared the living daylights out of all of us. I've never done it since then. Yeah. That was when I was living at your house, Dad. But anyways. Oh, Dad, please. Hold <laughs> on. Oh, no. Run, 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 run. So, uh, so in the prophetic sense, you know, prophetic information, when we're dealing in this number three, speaking of, you know, I'll throw out a, a term, the dance or the perichoresis of the Trinity, the relating of the Godhead. We're relating with him, relating with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, relating with the attributes of the Godhead. There, there must be a transfer out of our own conscious awareness of ourself in the sense that an over-identification with myself or the thought of myself or, uh, or and I'm not meaning a compassion towards others, but I mean concerned or worried what others think or the action of others. So just as the heart burning hot, just unconcerned about any of that. This is where the Lord begins to um, relate. And, and I, I must say, you know, I don't know how many times I've been in this, but I can tell you from tried and true that it has always been that way. It is, it is I've never been able to relate to the Lord in any kind of private prayer or public uh, prayer uh, where I had a consciousness of, of things. For instance, even a co over-consciousness of, I have this need and it's presented and I'm going to go and pin the Lord down and pray for him vehemently until he gives me what I want. That does not work. It, it isn't like, oh my gosh, I got to have this. I got to have this. Uh, give me this. Uh, that's, that's the way a servant talks. That's not a way sons and daughters commune with the Lord. I highly recommend in the prophetic that you get quiet 
You ask the Lord for the word of the Lord, and you wait on him. It's, it's, you attend unto him. Now, he's the sovereign one. He's the righteous. You attend to him by worshiping him. Um, you could use the Lectio Divina if you want to, uh, a process of prayer. But, but the idea is that I'm going to wait on you. And don't get overly conscious about being conscious of waiting on him either. <laughs> that doesn't work either. <laughs> That's why worship is such a beautiful, beautiful way to enter in. And we have a phenomenal team that leads us in. But you can do this at home. I highly recommend that you begin to live like this daily. If you're not already, take that time. Um, Take that time three times a day. Take it 18 times a day until he becomes one with you. (laughs) Until there's like a full actualized union of himself living in you and there's non-interrupted. This is the goal of the three. I mean, the triune Godhead, that there would be uninterrupted fellowship and union and communion with him. He wants uninterrupted, unviolated, unstagnated, complete communion that is every day and every moment and every hour that he's not disconnected, that there's no grieving of the Holy Spirit, that his life is pouring through us. And it's nonstop. It's just from him, through him, and to him be the glory. That's the three of the 318. You say... Isn't that everything? That is the entry, that is the life, but you know, but then we get to this one thing. <laughs> um, today when we're reading Amos 9, I think it was 9, it said, I, I will take and, he was saying, fall on us, and I look down, it says, and, and it will fall like a pebble out of a sieve. Uh, do you know what a sieve is? Well, if you had three like this, let's just kind of make it like this, and it was an enter in to a point, and it was to get small, like down to a little narrow place, that would be like a sieve where it's going through a, a small opening. So what we're going to have is three, one, eight. Okay? So it gets down to a small, a small opening. Because, and, and someone tell me, is it Psalms 27.4? Is that right? Can you put it up on the screen or did I say it right? Do you know this verse? Is that the right one? I don't know if I'm quoting the right verse. I am. Yes! Thank you, Lord. I've asked the Lord for what? One thing. Um, Any of you read Good to Great, the book? A couple of you, you tried to read it? One thing, one thing about that book that's very interesting, uh, uh, I highly recommend the book, uh, it, it's, it's very excellent, but they took 11 companies, and who's the guy that wrote it, Collins? And he, he said that they examined 11 companies, and they wanted to see what made these companies go from good to great. And so they were, what they were seeing, like if you were to think about time and money, like as a graph, how did the line move over time and the resources go up, and then how all of a sudden did it go like from multiplication to exponential? The line will go just like this, right? And what Collins did is he wanted to study the transformation that occurred at that point from good to great. And so he does this brilliant study 
uh, on these 11 companies. It didn't really matter what company it was or how it was. They found out a few things that were interesting. And one of them that they found out, which he was completely surprised about in the book, was that it mattered who the CEO was and the character of the CEO. It mattered about the number three. Let's just put it into our context. It mattered about the very nature of the CEO, and they found out these two characteristics in the CEO. I believe if I remember right, they found out that that CEO possessed a character of, I believe it was being humility and diligence to do the one small thing. Was that right? Do you know what he discovered and put it into our context? He found the humility of, of this priesthood and he found this, the willingness to do one thing, he found that in this, what I'm gonna say, this humility of this priest judge and this willingness to do the one thing. So when we're looking at, I've asked the Lord for one thing. You know, and, and David says it like this, I, this is what I desire. I want to live in your house all the days of my life. So I can gaze at the splendor of the Lord and contemplate him in, in the temple. He gets into a place of relating with the Lord and then he says, I want to maintain this one thing. I, I want one thing going on in my life. I want a centrality of focus. Uh, just like with Collins, they found out that these companies, what they would do is they would find one thing that they were really good at. Instead of trying to do a bunch of different things, which they didn't find companies did that well when they went and just did a lot of different things, they just found one thing that they would do really good at. One of them was like a, wasn't it like a, I forgot the name of the company, but they pull like paper towels or something. It, it was like one of those you get when you go in the bathroom and you get a towel out and wipe your hands or something. It, that was one of the companies. They wanted to be the best like towel pooler. Let's build a machine or whatever that can be the best at that. And so it's, it's trying to be a master of all these things is just to find that one thing. I'm, I'm going to dedicate my life's purpose to this and give myself to this. Um, recently, and I want to highly suggest that you, that you go see The Blind if you can, a movie that was done by uh, Phil Robertson's life out of Duck Dynasty. That happens to him after his conversion. He starts making duck calls, and eventually it becomes Duck Commander, and, and that's like a billion-dollar company. Because he, he found the one thing that he, could, he understood, and that was ducks. And understood that you had to talk to those ducks different ways. But we're going to build a duck call that can really, like, uh, cry out to ducks. And someone would say, well, that's a silly thing. Well, that man's purpose, and uh, please go see the film. I, I think that's my second one. I've, I've lost it. I didn't lose it in the film this time. I, that was Peanut Butter Falcon. Not saying you should watch that. It's got a lot of explicit language in it, but I lost it when Karen and I went and saw that film. I was over there crying so hard, yet almost welling in the thing. She was like, stop it, stop it, stop. And I was like, I just, the, the guy took the guilt off the other guy. I can't take it. I love it when people take guilt off of people. 
you know, just remove the guilt off of someone when they're just like laden in sin and pain and just take it off of them. It's a beautiful character. Uh, but this last one, the blind, we went seeing. I got out to the car. I'm like coming around. I took care of her door. I'm coming around the back of the thing. <laughs> I get in the truck. I sit down. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I was like, at least I held it and didn't embarrass her in front of everybody. But the film is so beautiful. The transformation of a human heart. The beauty of salvation, beauty of baptism. One thing, that central focus of the centrality of the focus to the Lord, the creativity of God who's working his, his life uh, in us, giving us something, something of, of his own self. Something I want to suggest that you, you, you're going to find in this kind of way, uh, gazing at the splendor of the Lord. Um, not boredom. Some people think this is boring. You'll never be bored, I'll tell you, with the Lord. He's so fascinating. I thought, you know, he was born until I got to know him, but he's not. When you set your gaze on him, that's where your creative flow comes from. He's the creator. The creativity for provision and blessing for your life, which comes out of this next thing, this, this number eight, it all comes from him. To, to bypass him, to go through a wide gate, to go through another place is to bypass actually who he made you to be and your created destiny in him. There's a war that goes on there in the heart and soul of so many people because they'll pick alternate gates to live their life out of instead of the one like this. Living the work lives that they're not even meant to be in. It's not a part of your created destiny trying to suffice just to make a dollar instead of, and have a job instead of being in a, let's say, said uh, career because the dollar has become more important than the persona of who you are in relationship with the Father coming through you. You can't know who you are until you spend time with the one who made you. So, so many people today, they've taken alternate path out of sight of the one and they're missing destiny. And I'm going to tell you, they're missing expansion. Eight is the number of what? It's the number of new beginnings. It's the number of blessing. It's the number of a new day. That's where your blessing is meant to come from. But it's got to come through. It's got to come through this way. Don't set your life don't set your life up to take an alternate course apart from that just to go make a dollar. If you're doing that, stop doing it. It's better to have little than to take an alternative path like that and to meet some kind of felt need when you could actually be living out of the reality of the uncreated God's creative life through you working and operating through you. Stop just trying to earn a living. Live a life of freedom. Live a life that he's made you for. Yeah, but Carol, you don't understand. That doesn't pay well or I'm not going to be able to make it. Trust the Father. Go say, you know, he did this to our family. I... I was flying jets, the next thing you know, I'm on top of a mountain. I don't know what I'm doing. It's like, you know what? I, I told my wife, I told my family, I said, you know what? 
I was a six-figure earner, owned my house, whatever. I left everything. I'm going to follow him. You know what? This might be hard because the Lord might have to deal with some stuff, but I'm going to give myself to the one. Okay? I'm going to tell you. Some of you, uh, I know Osterman, I know you've done this. I, I want you to be encouraged. Now, I know many of you in here have uh, you took the you took you took the creative flow of the Lord and you said, you know what? I'm not taking an alternative path. I'm sort of like putting my foot down on who God made me to be. And my little brother told me, he said, you didn't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. You ripped the whole entire bathroom out of the house, Carol. I was like, for him, yeah. For him, yeah. But I don't want to be somebody I'm not. And I'm going to tell you, the Lord will disagree with you all day long if you're trying to live out a reality that is not the one he made you to be. And it'll be a war. Because he can't agree with an alternative uh, person than the one he made you to be. How's he going to do that? We try to get God to feel sorry for us and stuff. He's like, you don't understand. I'm trying to give you this life. The life of new beginnings, the life of hope, the life not a life of work and toil and hardship. No, I'm going to give you a life. You know what it comes down to? One thing. One thing every day. I want to live in your house. One thing all the days of my life. Every day. Not just Sabbath. Not just today. Not when we just come here to worship the Lord. But no, I want all my days. Seven days a week. Creative genius of God flowing through me. Well, I don't really know him that well, Carol. Well, all right, let's get started. Let's go no consciousness of sin. Uh, let's go ahead and say the Father delights in me. Let's all stand together. I want to relate to you, Father, that I'm a beloved son or daughter. You delight in me. No, say it, say it, say it. You delight in me. Oh, feel that. Oh, say it again. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, you know what he feels when you say that? Oh, he loves it. He loves it. He's not down on you. He, like, delights in you. He likes you. He likes what he created when he made you. When he made you, he made something like no one else. He made someone like no one else. You're created specially, beautifully, grafted, made for Him. I was created to, I was created for the Lord. I was created for love. I was created to create. I was created to make. I was created to expand. I was created like Him. I don't have to go and just try to find me this little thing and that little thing. trying to get someone else to love me or to like me. No, I don't need, I don't need it like that anymore. I've got one who calls me beloved son. One who calls me beloved daughter. One. I don't need to go out and uh, pimp myself out or co-op myself or make myself into something else. For all for a dollar. No. No, trying to get love in all the wrong places. When I was made to live in the Lord's house, when I was made to live there all the days of my life, seven days a week, I was made for you. There's some of us, we, you, we can't keep doing this to ourselves and 
um, hearing messages like this and going back and trying to do something else when God himself is calling us, calling us, calling us to transform our culture through life, life working through us. A real 318. I worship him on Monday. I worship him on Tuesday. I worship him on Wednesday. I worship him on Thursday. I worship him on Friday. I worship him on Saturday. I worship him on Sunday. I rest in the goodness of my father who's created me and made me uh, for himself. I don't just worship him on this Sunday. Every day of the week like Daniel, three times a day if it must be, I wait on the Lord. I wait on the Lord in his house. I wait on the Lord. I see the beauty of the splendor of God. Ideas, new ideas right now. New creative plans. But trust, trust to enter in. Some of us have just learned how to get by on, on, on just get by. Uh, such a survival mindset has plagued humanity when we were made to thrive. Grasping for these little things and that little thing, seeing our father, relating with him wrongly. The father's not causing that. Just come to me. You know, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. It's out of rest that your blessing comes. It's out of just rest. You are made to expand. You are made to be blessed like Abraham. You are a part of Abraham's offspring. You are the seed of Abraham. You are the seed of Abraham and the seed, the seed that comes from our Lord, that came from him. That's, you were made for him. You were made to be generous. You were made to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. Look up into the heavens for where your redemption comes from, your redemption draws nigh. Everything I've ever seen in the Lord like this always comes from taking a risk. And I'll tell you what the risk is. The risk is to trust. It's really that simple. It's just a trusting. He's speaking to some of you and he's saying, you need to make a change right here. You need to make a change right here. He's been telling you over and over. You need to make a change right here. Trust me, just come with me. He's like, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't know if I can. I don't know if they'll love me. I don't know. Stop. Stop it and trust him. I don't know how we're gonna make this work out and this work out and if I say that or I do that, it's not gonna work out. Stop it. Do what he says. Follow the Holy Spirit. I declare over you, I declare over you from the Lord, you're a 318 people. I say it over you right now, that this is who you are. It is who you are. You know, not take another testimony, another report. It's just who you are. You're a transformed people. You're a beautiful people of the Lord. Don't try to analyze God. Don't try to figure him out. Just trust him. 
while Stephen and awesome worship, Anthony, uh, come forward and then we'll, uh, for communion and we'll take communion together. All heavy laden and all heavy yoked and all who need rest come to the waters drop your burdens here Take mine, it's light. If your mouth is dry, come. If you're thirsty, come. If you're thirsty, come. If you're thirsty. If you're thirsty, come. If you're thirsty, This is not a mirage Come to the waters And all who seek Him Don't lose heart You will find Him But come now for refreshing
back to Amos 9, chapter 9. For I give the command, I will shake the people of Israel. I'm going to shake them among the nations as grain is shaken in a sieve. Not a pebble will uh, reach the ground. All the sinners among my people are going to die by the sword. And all those who say uh, disaster will not meet us. In the context of the restoration of David's fallen boot, in the context of God raising up shelters, take this individually right now, but also see it that this is what is going on on a global scale. Uh, the restoration of the fallen booth of David all throughout the nations as God restores Davidic worship and praise to his name all throughout the land. But not just that, not just the praise and the worship, but a Davidic dynasty that is raising up in the land where the royal one, the king, who is set on the throne of the human heart again is governing in, uh, humankind again, rightfully reigning and ruling I will restore, he says, your fallen, David's fallen shelter. It's the promise of the Lord to take, let's say, to take the thing that's been stopping up the sin, the flow through of the number one of the one thing, that whatever's been stopping it up, that the Lord's like, I'm bent on removing that. I'm bent on taking the thing that has been stopping this flow through in your life so that I can just flow right through you and I can move right through you and my life and my life can pour through you like streams of living water gushing out because I'm wanting to see an expansion in this generation. A fountain bursting forth like Zechariah 13 says, by the power of God moving through us, right through us. So anything, anything, some of us are just Take the little pebble, the little thing. Cast it out of my life. Life of God. Life of God. Life of God flowing through us. Oh, life of the Lord. Life of the Lord. That was made for you, Lord. That was made for love. That was made for you, Lord. Open us up, Lord, and the way to life come through. Life of love, life, life and hope and peace and joy and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord, all my soul. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. One who liberates, the one who makes me whole, one who sets me free. I'm blessed to be a blessing. So, sons and daughters, sons and daughters, sons and daughters of Abraham, sons and daughters of David, sons and daughters of the Lord. And after Abraham had returned from de defeat, defeating Cadding uh, Warmer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abraham in the valley of Shavah 
King's Valley. And Melchizedek, King of Salem, brought out the bread and the wine. Now he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed Abram saying, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God. And blessed be you. Blessed be you of the Most High. You saints of the Lord. Blessed, blessed are you of God Most High, the one who creates the sky and the land. The one who creates heaven and earth. Worthy of praises, most high God, who's delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave, Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything he had. Just like in that day, Fast forwarding, fast forward, Jesus in the upper room with his disciples. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lift your hands. Blessed are you, Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Blessed are you, Lord. Blessed are you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Bless the Lord, you saints. Bless the Lord. I bless you, Lord. Bless the Lord, all my soul.
his promised bride and I'm destined to wear white and my chest is full of hope and a dress and veil as snow and he said he come for me he know when I'm ready and my heart is aching for the coming Must get ready now. I must get ready now. I must get ready now. For behold, my bridegroom comes. Oh, I must get ready now. the night.